Between Laxism and Rigorism. Introduction. Father Garrigou Lagrange once wrote, quote, Respect for all opinions, however false or perverse they may be, is only the proud denial of respect due to the truth. Sincerely to love the true and the good, we must have no sympathy with error and evil. End quote. Yet, in another place he writes, quote, The church is intolerant in principle because she believes. She is tolerant in practice because she loves. The enemies of the church are tolerant in principle because they do not believe. They are intolerant in practice because they do not love. Here, the sacred monster of Thomism walks the fine line between two seemingly contradictory principles, charity and faithfulness. My proposition for how this is done according to the Catholic tradition is, one, normatively we ought to eliminate evil, abstracted from consideration of the situation at hand, what Father Lagrange means by the first quote. Two, in consideration of the effects of eliminating evil, we ought to restrain our hand when a greater evil would come about, e.g. the church did not excommunicate the English monarch for decades after its apostasy, so that they would be given a chance to repent and not harden their hearts what Father Lagrange means by the second quote. Question. Whether one ought to tolerate a lesser evil that a greater one may not come about. Objection one. It seems that one ought not to tolerate evil whatsoever. For St. Paul ordered that we, quote, remove the evil from among you, end quote. Further, we ought not to do evil that good may come about. Therefore, the conclusion follows. Further, Tolerance of any kind will bring about laxity. Therefore, the conclusion follows. Further, it seems that we should tolerate evil in more cases than merely, quote, when evil, when greater evils come about, end quote. For charity requires that we accept all as they are. Therefore, the conclusion follows. On the contrary, our Lord says concerning the wheat and the tares, quote, the servants said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root out the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. End quote. St. Thomas comments on this passage, quote, In the first part, you should note that the, gr the good is greater and victorious over evil, because good can be without evil but not evil without good. Therefore, the Lord pulls up many evils that good may, puts up with many evils that many good might come, or also lest they perish. End quote. I answer that. Some have erred in two ways concerning this matter. First, the laxists who tolerate evil in itself. They err both against the virtue of charity, subordinating the goodness of God to the goodness of man, and when it comes to divine truth, the teaching of sacred scripture and of the magisterium concerning morals. Second, the rigorists. The rigorists err in that they seek to eliminate evil without consideration of the material effects of their actions. This, rather than being a sin against the theological virtues, is an error in prudence, depending on the level of cooperation one has with bringing about evil. In the former, we allow the gangrene, uh, the the limb with gangrene to infect the whole body, and in the latter we pull the wheat along with the tares. The true way in dealing with particular evils is between these two errors, for we are bound to seek the good in itself. Now, in eliminating certain evils, we may bring about even greater evils.
Therefore, we ought to temper the elimination of evil so that we do not bring about greater evil. Yet, we do not tolerate evil as evil. Rather, we intend to stop some future evil only consequently and materially tolerating evil. Thus, the practice of Catholic states in tolerating certain sinful practices so that greater evils do not crop up. The classic example is given by St. Augustine, that we tolerate prostitution, that the entire world be not filled with adultery. Further, such also is the practice of divine providence, wherein God tolerates the existence of certain evil men, so that greater evils do not come about. Yet this is not the ordinary situation, for we are bound to the good. Now evil is a privation of the good, therefore they cannot exist in the same subject in the same sense. So in order to bring about good, we must eliminate certain evils. Therefore, we are bound to eliminate evils contrary to the laxists. It is only when such a course of action would bring about greater evil that we tolerate. For example, a state is ordinarily bound to restrict the practice of false religions. Yet the state often must tolerate the private exercise of false religions, so that greater evil does not come about. Yet, in comparison, in comparing the two tendencies, the ten tendency towards harshness and the tendency towards laxity, we ought rather to tend towards harshness, although this is merely in consideration of the thing and not in consideration of certain personal tendencies towards each error. For laxity is a sin against divine faith and charity. Now, without the theological virtues, one cannot be saved. Therefore, laxity is a damnable error. Whereas rigorism is a defect in regard to prudence. Now, prudence is a natural virtue, without which one may be saved. For the object against which we sin in lacking prudence is not God, rather it is created things. Therefore, in consideration of the thing in itself, laxism is a greater error than rigorism, and therefore ought to be more strongly avoided, with due consideration to one's tendencies. Reply to Objection 1. The statement of St. Paul ought not to be taken as absolute, but relative, yet normative considering the effects of one's action or inaction, not without exception. Objection to. Reply to objection to. Such is conceded, yet that is not what is being proposed. Rather, inaction is being proposed. Reply to objection three. Concerning the, that individual sin, it is conceded, yet in considering what to tolerate, this would be taken into account in weighing the action. Reply to objection four. We may answer this question two ways. First, charity has God as its immediate object, and man as merely a secondary object for the sake of God. Now, the immediate object is greater than the secondary object. Therefore, we ought to love God more than men. Now, we love God in our obedience to him. Second, charity is seeking the good of another. Now, to allow someone to fall into sin brings about their ruin. Therefore, the conclusion follows. It is not in accordance with charity to do so. As Father Lagrange writes, quote, false charity subordinates the love of God to a false religion of our neighbor. It does not hate evil, rather it sympathizes secretly with it, and under the pretext of loving the sinner, it contributes to his ruin.